Uh, I am really, really excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Bowen is, uh, he went to a conference this week and he's on his way back home today, but he's not here today. So I'm going to be bringing the word and I just, I'm so excited and honored to be able to be up on this stage and just share with you guys. It's, it's just such a privilege. I never see it as anything less than a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be able to come up here and share with you guys. And uh, in fact, I want to, I want to jump in into my original, my first text verse of the day and uh, share it with you guys. In fact, I'd like you to read it with me if you can put it up there on the screen if, if we have it. Um, it's coming. There it is. Okay, so it's from Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. This is, this is King Solomon that wrote this, and he was, he's the wisest man to ever live. Okay, and so uh, if he says it, it must mean something. He's given us a little look into his mind here. So if you guys would read this with me. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. All right, so you just said it with me, so you must believe it too. Amen? Um, the, the title of my message today is The Significance of Your Season. Uh, I, I know you've been standing a good bit, but I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time as we pray and just ask the Lord to bless the rest of this time we have together today. So if you don't mind, if you'd stand with me. Let's pray and ask God to, to just have his way. Lord, we thank you for this time we have together this morning. Lord, we are so blessed to be able to be here and to be part of what you're doing in the lives of the people in this church. And I just thank you for this wonderful privilege today. And God, I ask that, that my words would be your words and that Jesus, you and you alone would be glorified in our midst today. God, would you just do your work in our lives and in our hearts in this remaining time that we have together, God. And we pray that, uh, Lord, above all else, that we would see you and your work in our lives and, and that you would be glorified. We love you. We thank you for all that you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, before you're seated, would you just shake somebody's hand, greet somebody? We didn't do that earlier in the service. I just want to give you a chance to say hi to somebody next to you. You can always tell who the extroverts are in a room like this when you do something like this, because they're the ones that are the last to sit down. They, they think, oh, I got time to shake one more person's hand. We're thankful for the extroverts, amen? And we're thankful for our introverts, too. So I'm going to talk to you today about seasons, and uh, uh, you can't talk about seasons right now without thinking about the fact that fall is so close. We actually got a glimpse of it this week. There was one morning I went outside early in the morning, and, and it actually had a little cool in the air, and I, I got really excited. Anybody else here love fall? Yeah. Ooh, it's so great. You can almost taste it, you know? In fact, I was thinking this week, it's like if, if I could do an analogy, fall is like when you drive from here to Atlanta on I-20, and you, you're, getting, you're getting really close to Atlanta, like you pass Conyers and, and Lithonia, the traffic's getting really crazy, and then all of a sudden you start seeing a broken down car on the side of the road every mile or two, and you know you're really close to the city. That's, that's where we're at. We're seeing the broken down cars on the side of the road, and, and lots and lots of traffic that's testing our patience. And uh, I'm so thankful for fall. If nothing else, the air conditioner doesn't have to work so hard, and it saves us some money, amen? So, uh, you know, I grew up up in Ohio, the, the the fall was the time, we enjoy fall, but there's always that dread because you know what's coming right behind it, is that Ohio winter. And here it's the opposite. You know, we can't wait to get through the summer because it's so hot, it's so oppressive sometimes, the heat here. When you come out of summer and you get to fall, you think, oh, I got seven, eight months before it gets hot again. Thank the Lord. Um, 
but uh, you know, life is lived in seasons. Uh, God created it that way. He created us for seasons. He created our, our earth for seasons too. And we're all going through seasons in life at all times. In fact, a lot of times we're going through different seasons in different areas of life and sometimes they even overlap. And, uh, but, the, but the fact remains that we're all going through these seasons and, and it's by God's design. And uh, I believe today, my, my goal today is to encourage you because some of you may be going through some tough seasons right now. Chances are a lot of us are. Uh, because life is, life does have hills and valleys, right? So we kind of go through the valley and come up on the hill and, and we, we encounter d- difficult seasons in our life all the time. And so a lot of you might be going through that even now. And, and my goal today is just to encourage you that the season you're going through is not insignificant. Uh, the title of my message is the significance in your seasons. There's, there's significance for everything that we go through in our life. Everything. God has a purpose for everything that we go through. And there's some good truth in the Word of God that even that can, that can help uh, back that up. And I'm, I'm hoping to give that to you today. And, and I hope today you'll be challenged as well as encouraged as we, as we go through this time together. I know that, uh, you know, when we think about seasons in our life, I think of there's, there's a lot of different areas of our life where we could have different seasons going on. Like if you're married, you know, your marriage goes through different seasons. Uh, I will celebrate my 18th anniversary in a couple months. And um, I love my wife more today than I ever have, but we've gone through some seasons. You know, we've gone through times where it's more fun, it's easier. We just get along, everything's easy, we don't have to really work at it. And then there's other seasons where we got to work pretty stinking hard if we want it to be good, you know. Um, maybe you're going through a season of singleness where you wish you were married, but you're in this season of being single that, that you're in, and you're having to deal with the struggles that come with that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being single. I'm, Paul and Jesus both said, hey, it's better to be single if you can do it. So there's nothing wrong with that, but obviously there's a desire in a lot of us to want to be married. Um, maybe in your family, you know, sometimes we go through seasons in our family. I, I have basically three teenagers right now, so I think that's enough said about that. Uh, definitely going through some, some, some tensions and some things that we're having to deal with. You know, there's, there's different tensions when they're little than when they're teenagers and when they're grown. So uh, we're going through some of those. Some days we just feel like all we are is a taxi service for our kids to go all over town. Um, you may be going through a financial season that's a, that's, that's a strain right now. You know, maybe you, you had a, maybe you had an air conditioner break this summer under this oppressive heat and you had a two to $3,000 expense that you weren't expecting. And or maybe your car broke down and you're having to, you, you get to go into debt to fix your car, whatever it might be. Um, maybe you didn't get the promotion you deserved, or maybe you even got fired or let, let go or, uh, and you're going through a season in your finances. That's, that's a struggle for you right now. Um, God sees it and he's with you. I think one of the biggest ones that I think for me personally is, is spiritually, we go through seasons. Um, it would be nice if we got saved and we just lived on this mountaintop experience for the rest of our life. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But it doesn't work out that way. If you've been saved more than 10 minutes, you know that even our, our spiritual walk has, hills, has dips and, and hills and valleys. And, um, but we can trust God in, in, through all of those things. Uh, you know, I, I, I think if we really want to live our life for Jesus and serve Jesus with our life, he even has us go through seasons where our spiritual life is just not that easy. Because frankly, if you think about it, God designed the winters up north just as much as he designed the, every other season. And the winter is significant, even though we don't really like it. The winter works because it, it helps kill off the old things. You know, without winter, I, I was reading just this week because I've always heard, you know, that you want to have a, a fairly cold winter because it kills off more of the bugs. So you don't have so many bugs in the summer. And that's not, not completely true. Uh, but the winter does help regulate the bug population. And so to that, I can say a big, fat, amen, hallelujah, because none of us like to have a lot of those bugs around. But, um, but even spiritually, those seasons are working for our good. And I'm, I'm going to go into a lot of that here in a minute. 
I want to encourage you today that, that we need to learn to appreciate every season that we go through. It's so important that we learn to appreciate it. And I didn't say we have to love every season we go through. You know, the Bible tells us to give thanks in all things, not for all things. So if you're going through a tough season, you don't have to say, oh, good, I'm glad I'm going through it. I'm, man, this is fun, you know. Uh, that's not how we're wired. But we can, we can give thanks in every season we're in. We can learn to appreciate every season that we're in. Because frankly, as Christians, and if you're a Christian in this room today, you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, we do not have to fear trouble. We don't have to fear any trouble that comes our way. It, I'm not saying you're not going to have any trouble. Jesus actually promised us the opposite. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But we don't have to fear it. Because he goes on to say, you can take heart because I've overcome the world. But we don't have to fear trouble because we know those, those trouble seasons that are in our life have a, have a reason. They have a purpose. And there is something that God is doing in every one of those seasons that we go through. So we don't have to fear. I, Joyce Meyer said one time something to the effect of... Um, we don't have to worry about the enemy. He doesn't want our stuff. The enemy wants our joy. And man, that's so true. If you've lived any, any time at all, you know that the enemy, he knows how to push your buttons to steal your joy. And he, he can't, if, if he cannot take our joy, he cannot touch us. He cannot harm us if he can't take our joy. Because if our joy is in our stuff, then he can mess with us. But if our joy is not in our stuff, there's nothing he can do. He can't harm you. And he can't harm me. And so it's so important for us that if we understand the seasons of life that we go through, then, then we, can, we can keep that joy even when we're in the midst of those seasons that maybe we don't necessarily want to have. But if we understand what God's doing in it, then we can go through it with joy. Because if you don't, you start to feel like the seasons will never change in my life. You know? Have you, have you caught yourself saying, like, nothing ever gets any better for me. It's always the same. If something's going to go wrong, it's going to happen to me. I can never get ahead, no matter how hard I try. Stuff's always just going wrong for me. If you've, if you've said those things, and even recently, and if you find yourself feeling that way, then I hope this encourages you today, because you, there's a perspective that I believe God wants us to have in our season that would cause us not to feel that way, because that is a place of hopelessness, of saying, you know, nothing's ever going to get any better. It's just always going to be terrible, and, you know, my stuff's always going to break, and my relationships are always going to dwindle, and people are always going to treat me bad. I'm never going to get the promotion I deserve. Whatever it may be, that's where, you, that's where you've crossed over into that feeling of hopelessness that God does not want us to have, because helplessness, now if you feel helpless, that's actually a place of strength before God. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to be to the place where, okay, God, I can't help myself through this situation. I need your help. When we, when we get to the end of ourselves and say, okay, I'm helpless as far as I'm not going to try to fix this on my own, but I'm going to trust you, that's actually a really good place for us to be because that's what God wants. There's a reason that Paul, the Apostle Paul said that in my weakness, he is made strong. I, I had a hard time with that verse for a long time until I got a revelation of what he's saying there. Is he's saying, God is saying, basically, as long as you're going to try to do it on your own, God's a gentleman. He'll sit back and watch you and wait for you. He really will. I, I know that might mess up some of your theology, but that's who he is. He's not going to override our, our will and our desires. He's going to wait because he says when you will get to the end of yourself and say, okay, God, I can't do this anymore, that's when God says, thank you very much. That's what I was waiting for. And then he could step into that situation and he can help you. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. His strength isn't made perfect in our strength. He doesn't come alongside of us in our strength to make us stronger. That's, some people will say that, like, you know, you do the best you can and God will help you. I, I don't really buy into that. I believe he's saying you need to come to the end of yourself and say, God, I can't do it. And that doesn't mean you sit back on the couch, kick your feet up, and don't do anything. It's, more, it's a mentality more than what we do. 
It's saying, God, I'm going to do the stuff I'm supposed to. I'm going to go to work every day. I'm going to do my job. But I'm not going to try to fix my situations. I'm trusting you in it. And I need you to be strong in me. And when we do that, that's when God comes in. It's like the gate goes up and God's welcomed into our situation and helps us. And that's what he wants for each and every one of us. So what I want to do today is I want to give you uh, five significant aspects to understanding your season. And this will be the, the, the bulk of my message today. And I hope these will encourage you because I believe the Lord gave this to me. The first one is that there's a beginning and an end. Now, I know that sounds pretty simple, but this is actually very, very important that we understand this. That the seasons of our life that God allows into our life, there's a beginning and there's an end. The verse we read in, in Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time for everything under heaven, for every activity, a season. Time denotes that there is a beginning and an end. There's parameters to time. That's why when we talk about eternity, it's, it's timeless. There's no beginning and end to eternity. There's no beginning and end to God. He's timeless. But in, in the seasons of our life, there is a beginning and an end. You, you may be going through something today that you feel like it's been, you've been going through it your whole life, but you really haven't. It's just hard to remember sometimes the beginning of it. I know going through a winter in Ohio by March, you feel like the snow's been on the ground for six years without any break. But if you really sit down and think about it, okay, well, back in November, it was actually pretty nice. So. But, but that's how seasons are. They have a beginning and an end. So whatever season you're in, you can find hope in knowing that this is not going to be the sum total of your life. Okay? You're not going to stay in this season forever. God has a purpose for it, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. But the purpose of these seasons is, is going to be, you're going to figure it out as time goes on. But there is a beginning and there is an end. It's not going to last forever. Uh, the, uh, the other thing that goes with that is that it varies in length. Okay? It, if, if there's a beginning and an end, there's also a variation in how long seasons last in your life. Some seasons you go through, they could literally last a day. And some will last for years. Uh, and you look, in, you look in the book of Acts, chapter 12, the apostle Peter, he, uh, Herod put him in prison just for the fun of it because he thought that the people would like it. So he put him in jail and he was in chains. He was guarded by a bunch of guards and it looked like he was going to be there for the rest of his life. And that very night they were praying and the, an angel showed up suddenly. The Bible says, uses the word suddenly. I love when God does stuff suddenly. Amen. And it says that the chains fell off and Peter followed him out of the prison. Now that's the kind of, I wish all of our seasons were like that, right? Just, uh, okay, ten, just wait 20 minutes and God will be here. He'll take care of it. You know? But that, that's usually the exception, not the rule. Uh, but that was a very short season for Peter. And then we look at Joseph. You know, he was one of the, Jacob's children. He was the favorite child. And he had a dream that his parents and his brothers were bowing down to him in the dream. And he told, the only mistake he made was telling them his dream. Because they looked at him and said, you're the baby of the family. There ain't no way we're bowing down to you. And it made him mad. They threw him in a pit. They were going to kill him. They decided to sell him off. As a slave, most of you probably know that story. But it took, from the time he had that dream of his brothers and his, his family bowing to him, till the time he was actually the leader in Egypt, the prime minister of Egypt, was 13 years. He went through a 13-year season of what could only be described as a version of hell. He was a slave, he was uh, in prison, went through all kinds of stuff, and he never did anything wrong to deserve any of it. But he went through 13 years of that, but God, God ended that season. He was preparing him in that season for what he had for him down the road. And then the other one that I wanted to mention was the children of Israel. They were, one of their captivities was when they were captive to Babylon for 70 years. And it was, God told them, you're going to be captive for 70 years. This was in, this was when the prophet Jeremiah was, was around. And he, he gave the account of it. In fact, the bulk of it is in Jeremiah 29. And, you know, I shared on this a few months ago. 
about Jeremiah 29, 11. It's many, many Christians' favorite verse in the whole Bible. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Everybody loves that verse. I love that verse. It's so wonderful. It's such a wonderful promise from God. But when you look at it in the context, you see that he's actually telling them this while they're captive in Babylon. And he's saying, like, listen, you guys are going to be captive for a while, but I do know the plans I have for you. And their plans to prosper you, to give you hope in a future. And he even told them, he said, while you're in Babylon, I want you to increase and not decrease. He said, build houses, plant gardens, eat the fruit of the garden, marry off your kids, do all these things. You can prosper even while you're in this season that you probably would not, rather not be in. But go ahead and, and live well. And he tells them, I know the plans I have for you. And they, they brought them out of that captivity, and they were very, very prosperous. So the seasons can vary in length. All right, so I want to give you the second one because I want to, I want to move through these. Uh, the second one is not all your situations are God seasons. <laughs> okay, so let me explain this. A season is something that, that God allows to come into your life that, um, that, you, that you go through for a period of time. But, but some of the things we're going through are not seasons. Some of the things we're going through are because of bad decisions we've made. Now, I'm not here to beat anybody up. We've all made bad decisions. I, I probably made some today already. I can't even, I haven't felt the consequences of it, but I'm sure I've made some. We all make bad decisions, but some of the stuff we go through is because of bad decisions. And we can't look at it in the same perspective as, oh, this is just a season of my life and God's going to end it and it's going to be okay. And he's showing me all the great stuff that he wants to, wants to do in my life. Some of it is just because we've made bad decisions. Some of it's because we have, some of us have patterns in life that can be somewhat toxic. You know, if, if you have patterns where you keep having the same thing happen over and over in your life, then that, that's not a season God's taking you through. That's a pattern of, of making some bad decisions that, that a lot of us deal with. You know, maybe it's in relationships or maybe it's with your money. You know, we can't, we can't blame God if we have this mountain of debt because we went out and bought a new vehicle every two years that we can't afford. Or we have credit cards we max out because we can't go to Best Buy and not spend $500. Or we just can't control our spending. That, that's not a season you're in. That's something you're, that's, those are bad decisions that we're making, okay? And it's very important that we understand the distinction between the two. And, and let me just say this about finances. This is not a sermon on giving, but I, I do want to say this because I believe wholeheartedly in it because I've seen, I've seen what God's done in my own life through it. You know, the principle of tithing, apart from the fact that the Bible actually tells us to do it, I believe one of the biggest reasons God asks us to tithe, to give that first 10% back. Not only will he bless the other 90%, which we, we know that, but what it does, there's a supernatural aspect that it puts your mind in the right place to know how to spend the rest of your money. It really does. It doesn't mean you won't make any mistakes, but, but what it does, it puts, it puts spending money in perspective. God has a, there's a supernatural uh, ability that God gives you to make wise decisions with your money. Because we would even say some of the stuff we've done, we thought it was an okay decision to do X, but it turned out to be a bad one. If we're devoting and dedicating our finances to the Lord, he gives us wisdom in those times, in those situations. He's helped me so many times to not make ridiculous decisions. And I believe it's because he's given me that perspective because I've dedicated the first 10% of my finances to him. So I want to encourage you in that. If, you, if you're struggling financially and you can never get ahead, I just want to challenge you to tithe and, and see God's faithfulness in it. And see what he will do in your heart and in your mind. Um, so that was a freebie. That was on the side. Uh, but, you know, I, I think of relationships, you know, if you're, if you're in a toxic relationship or you continually get in toxic relationships, that's not a season in your life. That, that there's, something, there's something foundationally that needs to be dealt with. And this, the, the bad thing about these things is that these aren't seasons that do have a 
beginning and an end. They, they may go on your whole life. Some people live in these situations their whole life because they never get to the point where they're willing to surrender that to the Lord. But the beauty of that is, is that we can see an end in those seasons if we surrender those situations to God and really come to God in that helplessness and say, God, I'm helpless, but I need you to be strong in this situation for me. And when we do that, we can trust him. Because see, our past does not have to define our present or our future. It absolutely does not have to define who we are. And we can break those things off. We can break those bad patterns off in our life if we, if we devote them to the Lord and trust him to help us in, all, in those situations in our life. There's no end to bad patterns unless you decide that you're going to surrender those things to Jesus. All right, so the third one, the third significant to seasons is that they're out of your control. They're out of your control. Now, don't, don't take this to the extreme. It doesn't mean that you have nothing to say about it, nothing to do, but, but it's, not something that, it's not something you caused to start. It's not something you're going to cause to finish. The Lord's going to do his work in that season. Joseph didn't have anything to do with how it started or how it ended. You know, Moses didn't have anything to do with how his season started and how it ended. Peter didn't have anything to do with an angel coming and breaking the chains off of him. They prayed. So that's one thing we do know. When you're in your season, pray. That's always a good thing. There's never too much prayer. But, but as a whole, we cannot control the situation, the seasons that come into our life. And it's important that we stop asking God, what did I do to deserve this? Or even asking ourselves, like, what am I doing wrong? You know, there must be some sin in my life. You know, I don't even know what it is, but there's got to be something for me to be going through this. And a lot of times it's just God allowing a season into our life to, to bring us to the place he wants us to be. And we can trust that it's not something we're going to fix. I know, as a, especially for me, I'm, I'm very rational and very logical. I like to figure things out and, you know, I pride myself in being able to figure things out. But there's times that seasons in life come that you just can't figure it out. And we have to stop spending so much of our energy trying to figure out the things that, that we're going through all the time. And I would say that one of the hardest things in life is to change your mind about something that you can't change. One of the hardest things in life is to change your mind about something you can't change. To not have that, that bad attitude of why, why is it this way. When, when you really want to figure out a way, you can work hard to, to figure that situation out. And there's times you just can't. But we can change our mind. We can say, God, I trust you. I'm trusting you and, and trust him to show you if there are things, things you may need to change or, or how to approach a season that's in your life. You know, whether it's work related or relationship related or finance related, whatever it is, but, but trusting God and not trying to figure it out and do all the right things. You know, when, when you're going through a financial issue and, and you're, you say, man, I'm a tither and a giver and I, I try to be generous. I, you know what? I guess I just need to step up my tithe. I'm going to start giving 20% instead of 10. You know, that's. I mean, that, that can be okay, but that's not necessarily what God's trying to do here. You know, we can't always try to fix it. When we try to fix it, a lot of times we get in the flesh and we can make things actually worse. You don't have to fully understand to fully trust when it comes to our Lord. We don't have to fully understand to fully trust him. I'm actually thinking, it's actually freeing, church. If you think about that, like, I don't have to fully figure this out. I can just trust him because he's, he's, he's got it. He's got me and I'm going to trust him. That, that's a very liberating place to be that, okay, I don't have to figure out the exact formula, the exact plan, everything I need to do to make sure I figure this out. I just let go and trust him. It's a very liberating thing for us. All right, I'm going to give you the fourth one. God brings difficult seasons. Ooh, it got real quiet in here. 
I know that kind of messes up our theology a little bit too sometimes. I think we want to think that God is kind of like Santa Claus. He's just a better version of Santa Claus where, you know, we can just sit in his lap and he, he asks us what we want and he wants to bless us. And he laughs and he's good to us. And he brings us gifts and, and, um, and all the good things that come with that. But, but the, God's so, he's, his, his goodness is so much better than what we could actually comprehend. And I heard a, I heard a preacher say one time that, that sometimes the biggest blessing is being able to go through the fire and not coming out on the other side smelling like smoke. Because we are going to go through fires. But if we go through it with God, that we're going to come through unscathed. We're going to come out not smelling like smoke. We're going to come out not, not having the scars and the soot all over us. But we're going to come out come through it victorious. But the, the goal is not to necessarily avoid those things. It's to come through it with him. And see, it's so easy for us to want to, to, uh, to just have the good things that come from a relationship with Jesus. But I'm telling you today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you here in a minute, that sometimes God puts us in situations that are tough for us. Uh, let, me, let me ask you a question. What, as a Christian, uh, other than like getting saved, what is God's number one goal in your life and my life? It's the same for all of us, by the way. Number one goal for each and every one of us as followers of Jesus. Is it that you'd be happy? Is it that you would have all your needs taken care of? Is it that you would be healthy? Is it that your kids would serve Jesus? All those things are really good, right? We would all agree that I think that God loves all those things. Uh, that's, that's a lot of who he is. But it doesn't, it's not the number one thing he cares about. They all, in fact, they all pale in comparison to his number one goal in our life. His number one goal in our life is to make us more his. Period. That's it. That is his biggest goal in each and every one of our lives is to make us more his, more dependent on him, less of me, more of you, Jesus. Get me out of the way so that you can be glorified in my life. He's, he's a jealous God. The Bible's very clear that he's a jealous God. He does not want to share his glory with anybody, even the ones that are Christians, especially us. He's not going to share it. He wants us to be more his. And he sometimes will bring a winter into our life to kill off the old so that he can bring fruit in the spring. And the beauty of, of our relationship with Jesus is that we don't, have, when we go through those winters, like I said, we don't have to worry that we're not going to make it through. We're going to make it through. And there's going to be some, some beautiful production on the other end. You know, I, like, like spring, for example, you know, you get a lot of rain in the spring. I, I never, ever need a, a rainy day for me personally just to say, ah, I just love watching the rain. It's, I don't really enjoy it. Everything's wet. It's not a, not a lot of fun for me. But when I sit there and I think, okay, well, my yard's loving this. My flowers are loving this. My bushes are loving this. And they do. And if you have a yard, you know that when we're in a summer of drought and you have to run your sprinklers, all the sprinklers are doing is keeping it from dying. It's not making it flourish. But when you get a nice a rainy summer like we've had this year, we're getting rain a few times a week, my yard looks really good. But it's because of that rain. You know, somebody said one time, all sun and no rain makes a desert. So we have to have rain in our life. And sometimes God's going to bring that rain. And I say, personally, if he's got to bring rain in, or snow or winter in my life to get rid of the old, to kill off the things in me that are me, then I say, bring it on, God. I say, bring it. You're welcome to bring anything in my life you want to bring because I know that I can trust you through it. I know that you're not doing it. God's not a masochist that he just wants to see us suffer or, or go through a tough season. When he's doing anything, it's always because that he's got a plan for me. And he's, he's getting less of me and more of him because that's his goal. Let me read a verse for you here. 
In 2 Corinthians uh, verse, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, and then I'm going to jump down to 9. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul talking. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Okay, so let me stop there before I read, read on. So what Paul is saying here, he's saying, Praise Jesus that he has comforted us in our troubles because he's going to use that so that we can comfort people that have troubles too. That's part of why we're, we're able to go through things in life is because God wants to use, he's building your testimony so that you can encourage somebody else that's going through it too. How many of you know if you're going through something, the people you want to talk to are the people that have already gone through it. And if you've seen victory in it and you've seen them come through. And that's why God lets us go through those things sometimes because he says, you're going to go through it because there's going to be somebody coming through it after you that I'm going to use you to encourage them. And you're going to tell them it's going to be okay because I got victory in this. I've seen God move on my behalf. He's going to do the same thing for you. And, and that's exactly why God allows us to go through some of those things so that we can encourage other people. Amen? Okay, so let me go on here because then he goes on in the next few verses to talk about all the hardships they suffered. And then in verse 9, watch this. He says, Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now that's a beautiful and a tough verse all at the same time, isn't it? He said it happened so that we might not rely on ourselves. This is the Apostle Paul even saying that. Like He had, he had one of the greatest revelations of Jesus that's ever been. And he's still saying, like, we had to go through this so that I wouldn't rely on myself. If it's good enough for Paul, I think it's good enough for us, isn't it? He said, this happened so that I might not rely on myself but on God. God lets those things come into our life. So that we will rely on him. That's his number one goal, church. That verse right there sums up the goal of God for each and every one of our lives. He wants us to rely on him. It's like, it's like when you're, you, know, you have a two-year-old that wants to do everything themselves. You know, I, my middle child was independent, coming out of the womb, I, I promise you. She didn't need anything ever. She wanted to do it all herself. By the time she was two, she was wanting to do everything herself. Feed herself, bathe herself, everything. And as a parent, you know, okay, if she feeds herself, you know what's going to happen? She's going to have food all over the place, and I'm going to have to spend 20 minutes when she's done cleaning up. But, but as a child, sometimes you think, oh, I can do this. I've seen you guys do it. It's easy. You know? And I think that's how we approach our relationship with the Lord sometimes. Like, God, just let me do it. I just want you to watch me and kind of bless me. And God's saying, no, you're relying on yourself too much. If you'll do this in my strength, you're going to see it's going to be a lot better. But yet we still want to rely on ourselves. But God lets these things. He, Paul said that they felt like they had the sentence of death. So this wasn't just like, you know, I had a rough day, I have an ingrown toenail. Now, this is a rough, rough thing. Some of the stuff he describes here, what he, went, he was stoned, shipwrecked, all kinds of stuff. And he's saying, this happened so that we would not rely on ourselves. And I know you might be saying, well, that's great, but that still doesn't say that God brought that on them. It just says that it happened so that they wouldn't rely on themselves. And you're right. We don't know that God necessarily brought all these hardships on them. But let me show you a verse where we see that, that Jesus sent his, uh, his disciples out into the trouble. And it's in Mark 6, verses 45 to 51. Now, let me give a reference here. Uh, this is right after Jesus fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fish, okay? So, huge miracle that was, that was just performed. These guys are on a high. They just saw the faithfulness of God. Wonderful, wonderful thing that just happened. Then we go right into the next verse in verse 45. It says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat 
and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. So there's a couple things to notice here. First of all, Jesus sent them into the storm. Very clearly, the first verse I read, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. Now, don't kid yourself into thinking, well, maybe Jesus didn't know it was going to storm. He knew. He knew. Right after a spiritual high, the Lord sent them into a storm. He didn't say, listen, guys, go on out. Water's going to get rough tonight. But, boy, you're going to see something. You thought you saw something spectacular earlier today? Wait till you see me walking on water. He didn't say any of that. He said, listen, guys, going over to Bethsaida, I'm going to meet you over there. I'm going to dismiss the crowd. That's all he said. So he sent them out into the storm. Uh, Secondly, the wind was against them. How about that? So these guys did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Exactly. To the T. Jesus said, do this, get in a boat, go across the lake to Bethsaida. They said, okay. I'm sure they got in the boat thinking, Jesus told us to do it. This is going to be a piece of cake. We'll probably, the wind will probably be behind us. We'll kick our feet up and get a nice breeze in our face. And probably some cooked fish will just jump in the boat so we can eat dinner. You know? And lo and behold, they get in the boat, start going across the, the lake. The wind is against them. And they're struggling with the oars. They're going, wait a minute. Did you hear Jesus say, he did tell us to do this, right? And they're probably thinking, what in the world is going on? What's he doing? And I, I think for us sometimes... I know for me, there have been times that I did exactly what I felt like the Lord told me to do, and it was one of the hardest times of my life. How about that? Like, the, the, the fact that, that God allows us to get into those situations, that, that tells me, I mean, we would all agree we serve a really, really good God, right? He's good. He's, he's good on a level we don't even understand. And so if he's telling us to do things, and then we're getting resistance when we go into it, he's sending us into a storm, that tells me, first of all, I don't have to worry because, you know, if Jesus says, I'm going to meet you over in Bethsaida, he's going to meet you over in Bethsaida. You're getting there. You may not get there the way you want to, but you're going to get there. And frankly, you think of the disciples, their, their perspective when they first got in the boat to when they finally, when Jesus got in the boat with them and all they saw. If they had just cruised on over to the other side of the lake and got to Bethsaida, it would have been like, yeah, no big deal. But they got to see the faithfulness of God. Because see, every time the Lord puts us in a situation like that, it is always so we can see his faithfulness. He's going to be faithful every single time. He, his, one of his names is faithful. He's faithful and true. And we can trust him. So just because you're going through something, it doesn't even mean you're necessarily out of the will of God. You could be doing exactly what he wants you to do. And you could still see a lot of trouble. But one of the, one of the most beautiful parts of this was, it, sa- it says that they thought they were alone, but Jesus saw the whole thing. They were sitting there struggling at the oars going, man, that was really great of Jesus to tell us to go across the lake. Sure, he's probably walking around, you know, on dry land. And they're thinking, he's not even around here. He doesn't even see us. What are we going to do? And the Bible says the whole time he was up on the mountainside, he could see the whole thing. He was watching them. We're never, ever alone in our trouble. Never alone. He may be off in the distance. He may feel like he's off in the distance, but he's there. And he's, he's waiting for the right opportunity to come in and save the day. Because he, he came in and saved the day, didn't he? 
He walked on the water. And it says as soon as he got on the boat, I thought it was interesting. It's not when they saw him. That wasn't when the wind calmed down. It was when he actually got into their situation. When Jesus gets into your situation, the wind has to calm down. And that's exactly what he did for them. But he was definitely the one that brought the trouble. He, he sent them into a storm. And I believe God does that in our lives, church. I believe he does it. I, I've seen it in my own life. You've probably seen it too. But the beauty of that situation is that we can always know that I can, we can trust him. We, don't ever let your faith in him take a hit in a way where you start saying, I, nothing's ever going to change. It's going to get worse. I, I'm done serving God. I tried to serve him and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tithing and I still can't get out of debt. You know, I, I'm praying every day and my spouse still doesn't, has got saved. I mean, all kinds of things that we, that we can go through that we think, I'm doing everything right. Why isn't God doing what I need him to do? Well, his plan is bigger than ours. He knows a lot more than we do. And he's going to come into the situation when the time is right. But he's trying to make you rely on him more and more. All right, so the last one is that your season is not for nothing. It is not insignificant. And I've, this has kind of been peppered through my, my whole message this morning. But your season that you're going through is about, he's trying to make you more his. And I want to encourage you today that I believe that he is building in each one of us, in our lives, he's building us to be more effective for him. That's part, of, that's part of why we go through the things we go through. In fact, I want to just share briefly with you guys. Uh, if you don't know, my, my title here at this church is executive pastor. Um, some of you may not even know what that is. Uh, basically, I, I'm running, I kind of run the business aspect of the church. You know, I know the church isn't a business per se. We're not, we're not looking to make a profit, God forbid. But there is, there's a, a lot of money that comes into the church and a lot of money gets spent and it has to be allocated in the right places. We have employees to pay. We have, we have upkeep on, this, on the building and our property. You know, we have 23 acres. We have an 80,000 square foot building next door and a 50,000 square foot building here. We've got a lot of stuff that, that has a lot of day-to-day stuff that needs to be run. And, and uh, so that's, that's what I do here at the church. And when I was about 19 or 20, I felt like the Lord called me to ministry very, very clearly. Told me I was going to be in ministry. And up till then, I didn't care one bit about being in ministry. And so, uh, I, I, through some through prayer and fasting and praying, I, I felt like the Lord was leading me to go work uh, with Youth with a Mission, missions organization. A lot of you know this. I spent five years working for them, helping to train missionaries and doing a lot of missionary work myself. I traveled all over the world. Uh, had was blessed to go to a lot of different countries, and. Um, Thought I was going to do that for life, actually, because, you know, the Lord called me to ministry. It worked out perfect. I was thriving. I was in my wheelhouse, loved it, and then uh, met Joy. We decided to get married. She was actually working there, too, and we, she wanted to come home to Augusta for a year. We we're going to take a year off. We we're going to go back out and just spend the rest of our life just doing it. And, um, well, within that year, a lot of things changed, and the Lord spoke to us just as clearly as he spoke to me about being in ministry. He spoke to me just as clearly to, uh, to stay out of vocational ministry for a little bit and to start a business and um it was it was definitely the top two or three times the lord's ever spoke to me as far as me knowing that i that i know that i know that i know that i heard from god and the fact that that i heard from him didn't help matters because i was actually pretty frustrated because i was ready to go back and the lord said no i want you to stay here i have a purpose for this and i want you to help fund the kingdom of god i'm going to bless your business and it's going to be great and and i grieved for the first seven or eight years of, of having my own business and my business was very, very blessed and prosperous, and it had nothing to do with me. And my business was blessed in spite of me, if anything. Um, 
but God blessed us, and, and I really had a hard time. Actually, I struggled with being depressed some of the time. And, and I know you're probably looking at me going, oh, that's really rough to have a business that's successful. Poor you, you know. Uh, but if you're not doing what you feel like you want to do, it doesn't, money doesn't matter. It, it has no bearing on anything. I mean, some of the most depressed people in the United States are the richest people. Money does not bring happiness, okay? And so the fact that, that we were doing well financially, it meant nothing to me. I did not care about it. Um, and it wasn't until about seven or eight years into it that I finally embraced it and realized, okay, God. Actually, the Lord spoke to me and Joy when I actually gave her a, a picture of a, of a bottle um, that was represented our business. And the Lord was actually putting a cap on that bottle and said, you know, this is a season of your life. And we're, I'm going to put a cap on this and it will end. You're not going to be doing this for the rest of your life. And that actually helped me a lot because I thought, okay, well, then if this is a season, then I'm, I'm good. Let's just let's embrace it and run with it. And so um, I, I had this business for 13 years. Well, and then the opportunity came for, for me to be hired on here as the executive pastor. And I remember talking to Pastor Bowen in his office that day. And, and uh, we agreed on, you know, he was going to hire me and it was going to be great. And I was really excited and uh, went home and told Joy we were ecstatic. And it was within like, I, I believe it was that same day. I don't remember everything now, but I remember the Lord showing me almost like as a, as a loving father would do to his child, like, ha ha, told you. Because I realized very quickly that for Pastor Bone to hire me, and he never said this to me, but I'm not, I know that this is how it went. He would have never even considered hiring me to be in this position if he didn't know that I had run a successful business for 13 years. It would have never happened. And I'm, I was, man, I was, I was so humbled by the fact that the Lord was willing to use me in that way and took me to a place I didn't want to go. I, I wasn't, I didn't have, I wasn't business savvy. I was, that wasn't just it wasn't who I was but God took me down that road I didn't understand it at the time but he took me down that road because he had he had a plan for me out here he said I got to get you I got to take you through this so you can get to this point and I was so so thankful that God did that because because it, it, it gave me the tools it gave me the ability it gave me a lot of the the wherewithal to be able to help take care of the financial part of this church and I am so humbled and blessed every day to be part of this and I'm so thankful for what what I had and what God did and how he how he brought me from that place to here. And I just, God's no respecter of persons. He's not just doing that kind of thing for me. He, he does it for all of us. He takes us in seasons where we don't necessarily understand it, but it's not insignificant. It's not. Now I will say the importance of being faithful in those seasons cannot be overstated. I do believe I was faithful in those seasons. We gave, the Lord gave us a mandate that we're going to be, he wants us to help fund the kingdom of God. It was like, I can quote it, fund the kingdom of God. We gave and gave and gave until it hurt many, many times. And, and I, it, there, was some, there was some joy that came in that, but not to the extent that I, I wanted to be actually more involved. But, uh, but we were faithful in that. And I, I saw my business as a ministry. I tried to be a blessing to every person I came in contact with, whether it was a bank, a realtor, a subcontractor, a, a customer, whatever it was, always tried to be a blessing. And, and I do believe we were faithful through that season. And to see how God has brought us to this season is, is more than I can, I can even bear sometimes when I think about it and how good God is. And, and I just want to encourage you in that, that, that that's how God works in our lives. In fact, if you look at um, when Joseph finally got to his position that God had called him to, which by the way was also 13 years, um, and he, he made himself known to his brothers. His brothers came to him needing food because there was a famine in the land. And when he revealed himself to them, they threw themselves at his feet 
and basically said, we were horrible. We, we, we basically killed you. We're so sorry. And, you know, they said, we'll be your slaves. Like they, they were just pleading for mercy. And this is what Joseph said in Genesis 50, verse 20. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's what God does. What the enemy would intend for evil, God can flip it for good. No matter what it is, there's nothing that can happen to any one of us that God cannot flip it for our good. It doesn't mean the things that all happen are all good. We've, a lot of us in this room have gone through some stuff. It's no joke. And th- th- those things aren't necessarily good, but God can flip it. He will absolutely do that in our life. What the enemy meant for harm, God can use for good to help save your life and many lives sometimes. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I close. I just I want to reiterate that God's number one goal in our life is to make us more his. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, I'm sure most of you know who she is. She was a, a Jewish woman that was in the concentration camps in World War II. She survived, actually uh, forgave her captor later, uh, was able to do it face to face. Wonderful woman of God. She said, she's quoted as saying, um, you will never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got. I love that. I love it. It's powerful, but it's also a little scary because it's just to pray, okay, Jesus, I want you to show me that you're all I've got and that you're all I need. That's a scary place because that means he has to take you through maybe a winter where he's got to strip things off. He's got to kill off the old man so the new can flourish in our life. You know, you've heard the analogy probably hundreds of times about pruning and the, how important it is to prune back plants and rose bushes and a lot of plants that grow here in the south that would cut stuff off all the way down to the ground in the winter. And then in the spring, it's flourishing back up and it's more beautiful than it was the year before. That's what God does in our life. And it's, he has a purpose for it. It's not insignificant, whatever you're going through today. And what I want to do is I want to I pray over all of us today. And uh, after we're done, we'll dismiss, but we're going to have some, I'd like the prayer leaders to come up over here on the sides as we dismiss. And if you want to come up for prayer, you can come up. Uh, we want to give you an opportunity to pray if you want to do that. Uh, but I'd like to pray for all of you together now, if you would. If you guys would bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. Oh, God, you're so good to us. You are so wonderful. I thank you, Lord, that it's the cross of Christ is the reason that we are alive. Only, only in you do we actually live by dying to ourselves. What a wonderful promise. Lord, I thank you that your desire is to make us all more yours. Lord, we commit today. And if you believe this in your heart, church, I ask you to just receive this. We commit today to allowing you to make us more yours. Whatever that takes, Jesus, whatever that takes in our life, God, I say, whatever it takes, bring it on, Lord, because I trust you. And I trust that whatever you take us through, if, I'm, if, I'm, if the wind is against me and I'm struggling at the oars, that I know that it's not for nothing. And that you're doing it so you can show yourself faithful in my life. And Lord, I pray that for each and every person here today. That whatever season they're going through, God, that you would show yourself faithful. God, that you would give hope that there's a beginning and an end in every one of our seasons. That it's not insignificant. And that even though you may have brought some of these seasons into our lives that are tough, Lord, we can trust you because we know that you're using it so that we would rely more on you and not on ourselves. God, would you do that in each one of our lives today? Each one of our lives, God, we pray you would have your way. 
Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come in our lives, just as it is in heaven. Thank you, God. Help us not to be afraid to pray that prayer. Help us not to be afraid to step out and to trust you in a greater way, in a greater capacity, God. Oh, God, I pray there'd be less of me and more of you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray your blessing on each and every person that's here today, Lord, that we would have perspective on the significance of our seasons. We thank you, we love you, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.